Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. It's me, Michael Schaefer. Woke up this morning pretty early to watch the Super Bowl here in Perth. Kicked off at 7.30 on a Monday morning here in Perth. I enjoyed the Super Bowl. The one thing that's very frustrating about watching watching the Super Bowl in Australia is that you don't get to see the American advertisements. So when they cut to a break, they cut to Australian advertisements and then they go back to the game. So you miss out on the ads. And I think the Super Bowl is the only... TV event where people actually want to see the ads because companies literally spend like tens of millions of dollars making the ads and then paying to put them on during the Super Bowl. And then you watch in Australia and Channel 7 is like, hey, you know that uh, Nike ad that spent $45 million getting Roger Federer, John Cena and Barack Obama to play golf together. Well, we're not going to show you that, but we do have this ad about the upcoming season of My Kitchen Rules that you might be keen to check out. Look at this. It's an ad for it's an ad for Love Island on Seven Mate. So that should that's pretty much that's pretty good. That should keep you entertained. No. Why do they do this? I don't want to see the ads for Australia. I don't want to see Manu uh, trying a uh, eating a, a, a filet mignon that's overcooked to promote the upcoming season of My Kitchen Rules. I don't want to see that. I want to see which celebrities took the cash. That's what I want to see. I want to see which celebrities decided... You know what? There's only so long that I can trade on my brand and my image. Let's cash in now. Okay, I'll take the Uber Eats money. Okay, sure, I'm Snoop Dogg. And sure, I did pretty well over my career. But, you know, Spotify doesn't pay the bills. You know, you get like one cent very play so okay let's do another menu log ad i want to see those ads i want to see the ones that cost millions and millions of dollars to make because they're basically mini movies they're like works of art i don't care about the upcoming season of ice road truckers that's channel seven is trying to flog to me at seven thirty on a monday morning i don't care show me the good ads so i was been googling like what were the best ads from this year's Super Bowl. There's always a, a list of them. I saw that uh, the state of Israel took out a couple of Super Bowl ads, which is just, I mean, it makes sense. You know, they, you know, the PR war, you can make the argument it's just as important as the actual war. You know, Israel does need public support, particularly support in America where most of the viewership for the Super Bowl is because Israel is relying on the U.S. government to pass a funding bill so that it can continue its its war, I suppose. So Israel 
ran a couple of ads during the Super Bowl. And the premise of the ads, I mean, the core message from the ads was they needed to bring the bring home the hostages, which is kind of like the moral argument that Israel has in in this war. They the, their one moral argument is, you know, they still have our hostages, and that's why we have to, you know, be in Gaza and continue with the war. That is like the one thing that Israel can be like. We need the hostages back, and most people would agree and be like, yeah, that's that's actually a relatively reasonable demand to make not sure if killing 30,000 people is the way to go about it but calling for the hostages to come back is it's a relatively non-controversial statement to make and I can see why that would be the core message in their ads it is just weird though to to have that ad in the in the Super Bowl it's just so weird to have like an ad for like Uber Eats and ad for like you know, AT&T, and then just an ad, and then it's like, bring them home. It's it's such a, it must be so jarring for people who are watching the Super Bowl ads, because you know if you're watching the Super Bowl ads, I mean, let's be honest, you're probably pretty drunk, you've had a lot of chicken wings, you're kind of like not, like all the information is coming at you at once, you're probably combining a lot of the ads together. You know, so you're probably like seeing an ad for Uber Eats, and then you're seeing an ad about freeing the hostages, and you're like, wait, is are Uber Eats now delivering hostages? Are they? Can you order? Can you order an Israeli grandmother on Uber Eats now? Is that is that part of the negotiation? Is that what is that what they're doing now in Uber Eats? Is it now Uber hostage? Like you, I just it's just I think it's too much to throw at people, you know, when they're watching the Super Bowl to just throw throw war at them and throw hostage negotiations at them. I also think it would be fair if, you know, the Israel had an ad and then like maybe like the Houthis had an ad straight afterwards. Because the Houthis, they've got money. You know, they basically are, they run Yemen. So they've, they're kind of sponsored by the state. I feel like you could have one ad where Israel's like bring them home and then the next ad could be like the Houthis who are like, it's just them on one of the cargo ships that they've seized with all of the Amazon products that can't get shipped to America. And they can just be like, okay, well, we'll give you back that uh, ring light that you ordered over Amazon three weeks ago. We'll deliver your ring light but we need a ceasefire first. I think that would be good. I think that would be... An, I think I just think like maybe there could be a right of reply, you know, for everyone. Like Israel gets an ad, the Houthis get an ad, Hamas gets an ad. You know what's going to happen is like now like Russia's going to... Like if, the war, if the war in Ukraine is still going this time next year, Russia's going to be taking out Super Bowl ads. Well, let's be honest... I mean, let's let's not pretend like the NFL and you know CBS or Fox or whoever has the the TV rights for the Super Bowl. Let's not pretend like they wouldn't take the money if it was on offer. You know, there's a good chance the next year, like in the like they go to the two minute warning at the Super Bowl that it's tied, and then it cuts to Vladimir Putin 
just being like, it's been three years now. Stop the stop funding Ukraine. Let us have Crimea. Let us have the Donbass. Let us have Odessa, and we can end this right now. All right, back to the game. Like that's isn't that going to happen? That wouldn't be as crazy, by the way, as like Vladimir Zelensky appearing at the Grammys and the Oscars like he did last year. I mean, that's not as crazy to just have Putin pop up in the middle of the Super Bowl in between an ad for Adidas and Nike, just him popping up and being like, I paid 400 million rupees for this rupees. I think that's the Indian currency, rubles. I paid 400 million rubles for this 30-second placement. Give us Crimea. I feel like that could happen next year. It's exciting. It's exciting to see like which other country is just going to take out ads. You know, if Israel, I mean, Israel has, that's also a big, a, a big thing I don't like about the Israel taking out of the ads. In the Super Bowl is like, you know, a big conspiracy theory around the Jews and the Jewish state is that they control the media. And then they literally spend $10 million on Super Bowl ads. It's like, guys, can we not perpetuate the stereotype? Can we not? Because also, I don't know if those ads are really that effective. Is anyone looking at a Super Bowl ad for Israel and being like, you know, last week I was free Palestine, but now I'm team bring them home i just don't know if the israel ads are really changing any hearts and minds i think i think if israel really wanted to change some hearts and minds in their ads they have to enlist they have to get a celebrity in the ad because that's that's what all the super bowl ads are they they it's they get really famous celebrities to be in the ads and that's why people love them they they, they you know tina fey was in an ad for booking.com snoop dogg He's, he's the face of Menulog. Katy Perry, the face of Menulog. You got to get like a really, if Israel wants to, you know, make that ad effective, you got to get a few celebrities in the ads. Like you got to get Dwayne The Rock Johnson in that ad. You've got to get some movie stars. You got to get John Cena. You've got to get, I was going to say Jeffrey Epstein, but he's dead, allegedly. You just got to get some people on, yeah, and I guess also people that, you know, are liked and well-respected. Yeah, John Cena or The Rock, Dwayne with The Rock Johnson, these guys, they'll they'll take money if you offer it to them. So I just think maybe next year, Israel, maybe you could spend those shekels a bit more wisely. If you're going to take out the Super Bowl, that's, if you're going to perpetuate the stereotype that the Jews run the media, at least do it effectively, at least get... Who would be a good spokesperson for Israel right now? I reckon Arnold Schwarzenegger would do it. Because I think he would do it just because like his dad was a Nazi. And so he feels a lot of guilt about that. So I think you could get Arnold Schwarzenegger to, to be in next year's ads for, for Israel. I think you could get him in his... And he would be a good person for it because, you know, a strong man, he's well-respected, he's loved by the whole world. You know, I think 
he could be like, you know, bring them home and I'll I'll be back to with the host get uh, that's what they could do. Do you know what they do? They film Arnold Schwarzenegger like releasing the hostages and there's a helicopter that flies them to safety and he at the end he yells, Get to the chopper and then it says, you know, bring them home. I stand with Israel or something. Look, I'm just spit, spitballing here, but I just think Netanyahu should maybe take this seriously next year and be like, "Hey, if we're gonna, if we're gonna take out ads with the Super Bowl, if we're gonna drop the shekels, and we're gonna, you know, perpetuate this very, very damaging stereotype that the Jews run the media, let's get some bang for our buck. Let's get the son of a Nazi out the front, front and center, yelling, get to the chopper." And I think that might actually sway some hearts and minds. Look, the main story around this year's Super Bowl, it actually wasn't even the ads. The main story around the Super Bowl this year was the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, PSYOP conspiracy. So a big conspiracy was floating around right-wing media over the last week or two. The conspiracy was that Taylor Swift, who we all know is a liberal, she's endorsed Biden, she endorsed Biden in the 2020 election. And she's, of course, dating Travis Kelsey, who's the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, who is also apparently like a liberal progressive guy. Big conspiracy is that their relationship is basically a government psyop, that the, basically the government is using them to you know, win the next election. They're going to use Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to sway people to vote for Biden. And so the big conspiracy was that at the Super Bowl, at the end of the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl was going to be rigged for the Kansas City Chiefs to win. And then at the post-match celebrations, when Taylor Swift embraced Travis Kelsey... He was going to propose to her on the field. By the way, this is all this is um, this is all stuff that was on like the QAnon website. He was going to propose to her on the fields, get down on one knee, propose to her, and then she would say yes. And then at the height of their popularity, at the, in the center of this incredible media storm, they were both then going to look down the barrel of the camera on the ground and yell vote for Joe Biden. That that was the conspiracy, that they were going to use the spectacle of the Super Bowl to get engaged and then tell people that they must vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They got to vote him back into the White House. Now, unfortunately, that did not eventuate. Unfortunately, look, they did win. So the Kansas City Chiefs did win. And they also won in overtime in a pretty close... Not pretty close, very close finish. They won in overtime. So you got to, if you were like a right-wing conspiracy theorist, you'd be like, I can't believe it's actually happening. Because when you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist, you know, you have a lot of conspiracy theories and most of them don't come to fruition, which is a shame. You know, because when you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist, like, I mean, first of all, you're like, you thought the world was going to end in like, 2012, you know, you thought that 95% of the population would be dead by now because they all took the COVID vaccine. 
you thought that your 5G reception would be better on your phone by now because it was it was being boosted by the 5G chips in everyone's bloodstreams around you. Like there are so many conspiracy theories that for, sadly for you did not come to fruition. But this one, you would have been watching it being like, holy shit, it's happening. We knew the game was going to go rigged for the Kansas City Chiefs to win so that Taylor Swift and Kels and Travis Kels could have their big moment in front of the cameras. And they would have been so disappointed when Travis Kels and Taylor Swift, they just hugged it out and kissed on the field. There was no proposal. There was no public endorsement of... of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris it would have been very disappointing for them. They would have been like, ugh, God damn it, we were so close. So close. I still hold out that this conspiracy might be true. I, I hope that I hope that you know Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey do release, you know, like a video next week where they do say, Hey, we're engaged and we're only gonna get married if Joe Biden wins the next election. That would be a fun thing. I would love to see that. I'd love to see them just emotionally blackmail the millions and millions of Taylor Swift fans. If they came out and said, we are engaged and we are in love, but we are not going to consummate this relationship. We're not going to make the, the final commitment unless you guys commit to Joe Biden in 2024. That would be a fun way of... Really, really testing the fan base. Really testing out the fan base. I think, and then they could be like, and if, and if Trump wins, we break up. That's what they should say to their fans. We'll only get married if Biden wins. And if, if Trump wins, we're going to take out mutual restraining orders against each other. And this love story is going to come to an end. That's... That's what they should do. That would be that would just be a fun social experiment to see how her fans would react. Because of course, there would be a significant proportion of her fans who would be like, "Oh, okay, well, let's vote for Biden because we want to see our beautiful girl Tay Tay be happy. So let's vote for Biden. We'd love to see her get married and have that beautiful wedding ceremony that she has been singing about since she was." 16 with Romeo and Juliet and all that stuff. Or Love Story, whatever that song was called. But then there'd be the other chunk of her fan base who'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. What we should do is we should vote for Trump and make sure that Trump gets in because then they'll break up and then we got a new goddamn album on our hands. That's what you really want. If you're a Taylor Swift fan, what you really want is for her and Travis Kelsey to break up because then you know that you're going to get at least 20 more songs out of that whole experience, you know? I think, and also lots of words rhyme with Kelsey. So I think a, a true Taylor Swift, a true Swifty in that hypothetical would probably feel compelled to vote for Trump and, and campaign for him, even though it might go against the, the love interests of Taylor Swift. My wife said to me today, my wife said to me, I can't believe Taylor is, is is in love with this guy, Travis Kelsey. He seems like a dumb guy. That's what my wife said to me. And he does seem like a dumb guy. Um, and I think it's because you kind of have to be a bit dumb to date 
Taylor Swift because you know that if it doesn't work out, you're fucked. You know if it doesn't work out, a billion there's going to be a billion Spotify streams on the breakup song. So I think my wife is correct that Travis Kelsey probably is a little bit dumb. You know, just to, to get into a relationship with Taylor Swift, knowing what could happen, it's a real high-risk, high-reward strategy, dating Taylor Swift. You know, the rewards are you get to date probably the most famous person in the world. You know, there's a lot of... You get to go to the Aust- you get to go to the Grammys. That's a bit of fun. And the cons are that your entire reputation could be destroyed. I don't think... I don't think it's a smart choice. So I don't think Travis Kelsey is a smart man. Nonetheless, the conspiracy theory persists that they are both these masterminds, these these people who have been employed by the CIA to, to swing the next election. It's fascinating because they actually are like the perfect couple to be deployed in a psyop against conservatives because they look exactly like conservatives. Like if you showed anyone a picture of Travis Kelsey, who's, you know, the six foot four, you know, white dude with his big beard, a real man's man, and Taylor Swift, who just, you know, is that kind of classic Southern girl next door look. If you showed anyone a picture of these two incredibly white people, I would say severely white people, if you showed anyone a picture of this severely white couple, everyone would say, oh yeah, these are people who are very concerned about the situation of the southern border. If you showed anyone a picture of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and said, what do you think their politics are? You'd be like, I'm pretty sure that they are against gender-neutral bathrooms. That's, And you'd be well within your rights to think that. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, they, like, they look like the type of people that Hitler was trying to create a world for. I'm not saying that they're, I'm not saying they're Nazis. I'm just saying they look like Nazis. I'm just saying they look like people who would chant, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. That's what they look like. And that's why, of course, that's not their politics. That's not their beliefs. We know that they're kind of liberal, they're kind of progressive. But that is what they look like. And so if they are like in being used by the US government to, to kind of infiltrate the hearts and minds of conservatives, they couldn't have chosen two better people to do it. They could not have chosen two more just severely white, accessible, likable people to to win an election. So good on good on the CIA and the FBI if this is the psyop. They've cast well. They have cast very, very well. It's actually crazy to think about Taylor Swift in particular being being like a liberal progressive person. Like if you had said, oh there's a there's a Southern girl who sings country music, guess what her politics are? I gotta tell you, I'm pretty confident she'd be watching Fox News. Like, I'm pretty confident she'd be big on building the wall. But credit to her, she contains multitudes. 
you know, and she's and she's uh, going to probably endorse Biden pretty soon and and sway the entire population. I still am. I I know this sounds like a just a bit of like a silly thing to say and a bit of a trite thing to say, but it is bizarre to me that we still are so persuaded by the opinions of celebrities when it comes to politics. You know, with because Taylor Swift, uh, when she kind of endorsed Biden, it did have a big impact on the votes. It had a big, a big impact on on young people turning up to vote and and voting, you know, for the Democrats. I'm I'm still like, I'm still surprised that we are swayed so much by the opinions of celebrities just because if anyone's opinion should be discounted, it's the opinion of a celebrity only because they'll never really tell you what they truly believe in their heart. And I'm not talking about Taylor Swift here. I'm just talking about celebrities broadly. They're not going to tell you what they truly believe in their heart because they have too much to lose. Like if you're a celebrity, you've got money, you've got fame, you've got an agent you got your fans. You don't, you don't want to do anything that would compromise that. So that's why so many celebrities deliberately stay out of politics because they don't want to lose half of their fan base. And the celebrities that do kind of weigh into politics typically are just telling, are just saying the opinions that are going to please their fans. They're just saying the things that are going to keep them popular and gainfully employed. So really, we sh- the, the the opinions of celebrities should be should be just dismissed completely because you can't really trust that they believe anything that they're saying. The only celebrity opinions that we really should be looking at and taking seriously are the opinions of cancelled celebrities, because if you're a cancelled celebrity, you actually have nothing to lose. You don't have a career to worry about you don't have fans who you have to appease if you're a cancelled celebrity you know you might not agree with their political opinions but at least you know they're honestly held so really like we shouldn't we shouldn't be swayed by the the political opinions of taylor swift or travis kelsey we should really be swayed by for example the opinion of bill cosby really who he is voting for should his opinion should be taken seriously is kind of what I'm getting at here because you know when Bill Cosby comes out and endorses a candidate you know he's doing that because he truly does support that candidate and not because he's trying to preserve a career that he no longer has so if Bill Cosby came out and said hey I'm voting for Biden then you'd be like oh okay I'm going to I'm going to take that seriously I presume Bill Cosby would vote for Biden because he likes people to be sleepy. So I can only presume he would be team Biden, but he hasn't come out and told us his opinion. No one's asked. But that's that's just my view on things, is that we should only really care about the opinions of celebrities with nothing to lose. It's nice for Taylor Swift to have her viewpoint. Great, good on her. Good on her. I, I'm not saying that celebrities cannot have opinions on things. All I'm saying is you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt. Whereas with, you know, Bill Cosby, you can take his opinion with a martini that he made himself. So that's just my view on celebrity endorsements when it comes to politics.
Another big news story this week, staying in the realm of sport, was there's going to be a new... Uh, I mean, I'm going to say they're kind of going to be the Olympics for athletes who are doping. So this is a really fun, novel idea. There's this new thing called the Enhanced Games, and they've started. it started popping up in the news recently that there's going to be this, basically, Olympics for athletes who can and will and must take drugs to compete. So basically, the, the idea behind the games is, hey, we all love watching the Olympics, but wouldn't it be nice if all of the athletes at the Olympics were on drugs as opposed to just a select few who are ahead of the game and whose uh, urine comes up negative because they're taking a substance that is so advanced and so effective and so undetectable that not even WADA, with all its technological advancements, is able to pick up the hormones and synthetic compounds that are in there. Because we all know there's a bit of doping happening at the Olympics. You know, we like to think it's, it's fair, but it's not. I mean, it's just that, you know, the, the people who are doping now at the Olympics, they'll be exposed in 20 years when we can actually, you know, test for everything in their pee. You know, it's like, remember like Marion Jones was winning like gold at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. And everyone looked at her and they're like, holy shit, she's like ripped. Like she's like, you can see every striation in her deltoid. And everyone was like, I'm pretty sure she's, we were like, I think she's doping. But then they tested and of course nothing came up. But then, you know, years later it was like, oh, oh yeah, she was doping. She was on like 15 different things that we just couldn't test for at the time. So I can see what the, I can see the appeal of the enhanced games because it's kind of the fairest system there is really because at least with the enhanced games, like everyone is doping. So it's kind of fair. It's kind of like the Tour de France, really. Like, I mean, I'm talking about like the Tour de France, like the early 2000s, whatever, where like that was when it was probably at its most fair, the Tour, because they were all doping. They were all taking EPO. They were all getting, you know, blood infusions in a, in the little trailers in between rounds. I mean, everyone was doping. So it was kind of the fairest it's ever been. I feel like Lance Armstrong was real. I think he was pretty stiff because people look at him and be like, oh, he's the biggest cheat in the history of sport. I think he's actually, he could be the, the fairest winner of any sport in history because yes he was doping but also every other motherfucker was doping so he won that shit fair and square you can say you can say that with 100% confidence about the tour is that they were all doping and he just and he won with his doping regime that's kind of the fairest outcome you can expect isn't it because you can't say that about any other any other competition ever because you look at every other competition and you say well none of them were doping 
So it's fair. You can't say that because you actually don't know if nobody is doping. You don't know the things that you don't know. You can't test for the things that you're not aware of. So there is a strong argument to be made that Lance Armstrong is actually the most honest and fair athlete of our time. And that actually he should just be given back all of his all of his yellow jerseys. Because I remember when it came out that like he was doping, they had to like go back to the guy who came 17th or something. I don't know what the actual number was, but they were like, oh, hey, 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 mate, remember how, um, imagine getting that phone call, by the way. Imagine being the guy who finished like 36th at the Tour de France, the only guy who wasn't on drugs in 2003 or whatever. Imagine being that guy, you know, he gets a phone call, he's in like, you know, he's retired by now and he's just like living a quiet life in some remote village in like, you know, rural Italy. He gets a phone call and he's like, hola? And they're like, hey, is this Giuseppe? And he's like, si, si, si. And they're like, hey, uh, Giuseppe, you know how like 20 years ago, uh, you know how you came last in the Tour de France? Um, well, uh, good news. Uh, turns out you won that, that one because you're the only person who wasn't taking EPO. So thanks for your honesty. Uh, we're mailing your yellow jersey out to you. And that would be a very bittersweet moment for little Giuseppe at this point because sure, he's, he's won. He technically won the Tour de France, but no one knows who the fuck he is. And he doesn't get any of the fame and fortune that comes with having won the Tour de France. So a very strange moment for the person who, you know, gets given that yellow jersey because they were the only person naive enough to think that no one else was doping. My point is, the enhanced games are going to be bloody fantastic because they're going to be the fairest games of all time. You're going to see athletes just doped to the gills, which is bloody fantastic. They're going to be taking every steroid available to them. I think it's going to be great. We're just going to see... And do you know what? I think the reason why I'm really most excited about it is the, the trans athletes issue won't apply to the enhanced games you know because you know in every other sport right now we have this tiresome i would say monotonously not mind-numbing debates you know about whether or not trans women should be able to compete against other women and do they have a biological advantage and yada 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 we're having this debate ad nauseum about every sport every competition and I just feel like with the enhanced games, for the first time ever, that conversation is kind of moot because the whole point of the enhanced games is that everyone is going to have some sort of you know, unfair advantage. I'm putting that in quotation marks because they're all on hormones, they're all on drugs, they're all on EPO, they're all doping. So it doesn't really matter what gender you are, really. You're every, like, I guess my point is that it's kind of, when you're on steroids, it's kind of gender neutral. You know what I mean? Like when your body mass is 90% muscle, it doesn't really matter if you have a dick or a vagina. You know, if, you're, if your testosterone levels are through the fucking roof, who cares whether you identify as a man or a woman? It's kind of an even 
playing field at that point. I mean, the I mean, the female identifying athletes are going to be on so much drugs that they're all going to have they're going to have bigger balls than the men. So it doesn't really matter. So I'm just excited to watch an Olympic event where a it's fair because everyone's on a level playing field, and b we don't have to have this you know boring discussion about whether or not trans women have an unfair advantage over cis women who gives a fuck uh they're all going to be doped to the gills they're all going to be on the roids they're all going to be honestly the the person who's going to win the 100 meters is going to be the person who is able to control their roid rage the best because you can just imagine like eight just doped up athletes men women whatever you are just on just so much fucking uh, just so many so much fucking cortisol just pumping through your veins so much fun so much fucking adrenaline so much just just coursing through your veins all these roids just like hitting your adrenal glands hitting your hypothalamus at at, the, at this incredibly you know crucial moment the starting gun's about to go off which is going to be a triggering a triggering sound for all these people to hear it's the winner is going to be whichever athlete in that intense uh, hyper state is able to just run 100 meters without just elbowing and decking and king hitting their opponent. Like they're going to be, there's going to be so much roid fueled range coursing through these athletes that the the 100 meter sprint might just be a fucking brawl, and the winner is whoever manages to escape and run down to the other end and at that point it doesn't really matter if you have a penis or a vagina what matters is that you are the one athlete who managed to just crawl over the finish line unscathed like you were Stephen Bradbury winning gold medal in the ice skating many many years ago I look forward to seeing that I think it's great it'll be nice to have finally have a fair competition where we don't have to have this boring conversation about trans women competing against cis women fuck i'm so excited look i'm so excited for that bring on the games i don't even care about the actual olympics anymore i just want to see all these oh, i just want to see all the i just want to see the doping olympics that's all i want to see get me in there this could be because like james magnuson who's he's a and a former australian swimmer he can he's like an ambassador for the games because he said i'm competing on behalf of Australia. It's funny how like they're still going to be representing their country at the enhanced games. They should just represent the pharmaceutical company that sponsored them. Like they shouldn't have the Australian flag next to James Magnuson. They should just be like the the Pfizer logo next to it. You know, because really he's representing their brand more than he's representing Australia. But James Magnuson came in and said, look, I'm I'm a retired swimmer, but I'm really excited to take as much drugs as possible and see how fast I can swim the 50 meter freestyle in. And first of all, that's going to be fun to watch. It's, oh, it's kind of like, it's kind of a, he's kind of setting himself up to be mocked though, because, you know, if he, if he takes all these drugs and then doesn't break the world record, that's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing to take the drugs and then not beat the time that an athlete who wasn't on drugs achieved. So I hope for his sake, he manages to break the world record because 
it'd be pretty embarrassing, A, to not swim faster than a non-doping athlete, and B, to take so much roids that your testicles shrivel up into the size of cashews that then get absorbed into your abdomen. Like, if you do that to your testicles, which of course should actually make you a better swimmer because you'll be more streamlined. You won't have the testicles dragging behind you. That's going to slow you down. If you're doing all... I guess I'm saying is if you're doing all that to yourself, fuck, you'd hope to get a goddamn world record out of it. But I think it's exciting because he said, look, I'm retired and I never thought I'd I'd be able to compete at an international level again. And he's saying this is great. This is a chance for him to come out of retirement. And this is... I never thought that this could be a way for athletes to come out of retirement. So, you know, people are like, have we... People thought we saw the last of Kathy Freeman. But she could be back, baby. She could be back better than ever. She could come back now, 24 years later, and break her own world record from the Sydney Olympics in 2000. I'm not sure if you got the world record in, in the 400 meters in 2000, but... My point is she could be she could she could get fast she could be faster now than she was 24 years ago. That's exciting. It's exciting that, that the fact that we can just that retired athletes can come back that we can kind of relive the glory days. Like I'd love to see so many retired athletes from my childhood compete again. I mean, obviously it'd be great to see Kathy Freeman back. What about like Tatiana Grigorieva, was that her name? I think she was the pole vaulter. She was she was pretty good. I think she got silver in pole vault. Maybe, maybe she's got some unfinished business. Get some Tatiana. Get Tatiana on the roids and get her some gold at the enhanced games. I'm just saying we deserve to see what a 70-year-old Margaret Court could do on the tennis court. We deserve to see what a 60-year-old Mike Tyson could do on steroids to another human being. Imagine facing Mike Tyson in boxing at the Olympics on steroids. I mean, the man was so fueled with rage that he bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. Imagine this man on roids. He would literally murder all of his opponents. Fuck, it'd be great to watch. The Enhanced Games, keep an eye off them, coming to you this year, 2024. I want to finish off this week's podcast with a segment that I'm enjoying. It's the Weekly Hero segment. This week's hero is none other than Barnaby Joyce. Now, if you're an international listener, Barnaby Joyce is like a country man who's somehow found his way into the Australian Parliament and was actually the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia a few years ago. There was actually, there was a couple of weeks where he was like the acting Prime Minister at some point because I think uh, the real PM, Malcolm Turnbull, was away for, you know, on some international trips. So Barnaby Joyce was the acting Prime Minister. It was was very strange. It's like like when your substitute teacher walks in and you're like, we're just going to watch a movie? Like, what are you doing here? But Barnaby Joyce, he is a real... You know, classic Aussie larrikin type of bloke. Wears a big hat. He got he sometimes he has a whip. Sometimes he takes the whip to Parliament and whips it around. He's a really he's a cattle. He's basically a cattle farmer who became a politician. And he was filmed this week. He was wink. He was filmed this week. Uh, on this lying down, on this on the road in Canberra, seemingly drunk, on the phone 
apparently like slurring his words and, and swearing. I mean, look, if you're if you're lying down on the ground in a suit, there's a good chance you're going to be slurring your words and and swearing. There's a usually if you're lying down on the ground in a suit, there's a good chance you're going to be yelling at someone on the other end of the line about how you just missed out on the trifecta at the Melbourne Cup. That's usually what happens when you're when you're lying down on the ground in a suit. So he was filmed in seemingly a drunken stupor on the streets in Canberra. Now, doesn't do wonder for Australia's international reputation when a man who used to be the acting prime minister of the country is just drunk on the streets in the middle of the night yelling into his phone. It's not a good look for international reputation. doesn't help. Doesn't help with the stereotype that we're a bunch, that we're a bunch of, you know, just that we're just this cultural wasteland full of drunks and bogans. It doesn't help. Certainly, it doesn't help. But I will say this: I think it's quite inspiring. I really do. I think Barnaby Joyce might be the most inspiring man in Australian Parliament right now because Barnaby Joyce is like a known philanderer. He's a known alcoholic. He's a known drug user. Let's be honest. Lots of rumors out there that he just is a coke fiend. Like, uh, everyone knows this stuff about Barnaby Joyce. And despite all of this, he has still managed to hold a pretty high office in the Australian Parliament. I mean, there are very few, you know, people get described as high-functioning alcoholics quite a lot. That phrase gets thrown around. High-functioning alcoholic, I think, gets thrown around willy-nilly. Because a lot of the people we describe as high-functioning alcoholics are not actually high-functioning. You know, we describe them as high-functioning alcoholics, but really they're just barely getting through their shift at Foot Locker. That's not high-functioning. I mean, you're, you're functioning barely, but you're not functioning on a high level. You're not making policy decisions. You're not, a, you're not the cabinet. You're not making business deals with companies in China. You're not making trade deals with other countries. Barnaby Joyce is a high-functioning alcoholic in the very sense of high-functioning alcoholic. Like, this is a man who is crippled by his alcoholism, but to the point where he literally sometimes finds himself lying down on the street in Canberra, but still manages to represent his people in the House of Representatives. And... To be able to carry on an addiction to multiple different substances whilst still, you know, being able to vote in Parliament, I think that's impressive. That's inspiring. I guess my point is, like, if you're an alcoholic or you're battling with substance addiction yourself and you're thinking, God, I got to get clean. I got to get clean. I got to get my life in order. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can actually stay addicted stay an alcoholic and just maybe be higher functioning maybe that's what that's all you need maybe you know maybe you can have it all you can have your addiction and you can have your job and that's what barnaby joyce proves to all of us that's why i think he's inspiring he shows that you can have it all you know for women having it all is like you can have a career, and you can have a family. That's what it is for women, right? And for men, having it all is, I can have my mistress, I can have 
my lines of cocaine on a Saturday night. I can have my bottle of whiskey at 8am on a Wednesday. And I can have a pretty senior job in Australian Parliament. That's what it means to have it all. All I'm saying is if we're going to celebrate women for having it all, we also have to celebrate Barnaby Joyce for being a raging alcoholic while he serves us in the House of Representatives. Thank you, Barnaby, for being this week's hero. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you liked it, please give it a nice review on Spotify or Apple. A five-star review, it would be lovely. It does help other people hear about the podcast. So it would mean a lot to me if you could give me a nice review just so we can keep growing the podcast, bringing more people into it. I've also got some live shows coming up in Perth this week, the 13th to the 18th of February, performing at the Fringe World website. And then in Fremantle this weekend, the 16th to the 18th of February, I'll be performing in Fremantle. I've also got shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from the 28th of March through to the 21st of April. Just head to my website, michaelschafer.com for those tickets. I hope you guys have a lovely week. I hope that if you have some sort of addiction, that this has inspired you to remain addicted. Don't seek help. Don't seek help. You can have it all. That's what Barnaby has taught us. I'll see you next week. Good night.